when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> Let's go, Raider Nation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote. This is your home for Las Vegas Raiders news, notes, and information. We are coming at you as part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SP Nation. It's been a while since we last spoke. There's a lot to get to. We have players voting on a possible new CBA happening later this week. Free agency is starting in less than two weeks. Uh, we've got the NFL Draft, which is going to be in Las Vegas this year. That's happening in six weeks. The Combine just wrapped up last week. Just so much going on right now in the NFL. Uh, I've got a great guest lined up for you later on in the show. I'll be joined by Associate Director of Content at Pro Football Focus. That's Austin Gale. He will be on to discuss a little bit of everything. Uh, we will dive into some Combine moneymakers, some potential free agent targets for the Raiders, and of course, we got to get to some draft talk as well. However, before uh, we get the show kicked off, I do want to uh, kind of make a statement about uh, the status of the podcast as well as my time with SB Nation and, and SilverAndBlackPride.com. Uh, now, it's a long story, and I'm sure uh, some of you are more kind of current with what's been going on, but I will try to make this uh, as brief as I can. Um, as some of you may or may not know, there, there's been some changes uh, or, or there are some changes being made at SB Nation with all of their California team brands, uh, and that does include Silver and Black Pride. Uh, even though the Raiders are, are no longer a California-based team, it still um, still affects them. And the reasoning for all these changes is due to a new California state law that took effect at the new year. And essentially what the law does is put a limit on the amount of content that an independent contractor like myself, guys who are not considered full-time or part-time employees, um, basically there's a cap on how much we are able to contribute on a yearly basis. The number that we were given... Uh, is is 36 um, articles uh, per year, which is which is not a lot. Um, you know, I was I was putting out you know, 10 to 15, um, you know, a month or, or more even. Um, so obviously, th- three a month is 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 not much. And in in my case, because I also host the podcast, these podcast episodes also count. Um, towards one of my my 36 for the year. So uh, th- this new law really really affects a lot of people at SB Nation uh, o- o- over all of the different California team brands. Like I said, guys like myself who are just independent contractors who have been with the the company for a you know a couple years. But there's also a lot of people who who have been employed on a full time or part time basis for for many many years with SB Nation. So. Um, you know, we all got word of this. Um, oh, oh, just uh, I was just 
before the new year, I believe, or just yeah, just before. Um, it, basically, their plan at SB Nation is to is to go through a hiring process. Obviously, they want to take care of some of the people who have been there, you know, for a long time, um, who are who were already um, had some sort of part time or full time uh, employee status. Um, you you may have noticed guys like. Uh, Bill Williamson is now covering the Raiders for Silver and Black Pride, and he he will be a great addition. Uh, I see he's already put out a lot of great content. Uh, but then there's guys like myself and and Cyril, who was the, the you know the site expert or the site editor, uh, B D Williams and Alex. Uh, we we don't really know where we stand at this time. We have not heard uh, whether or not we will be retained. Um, our contracts are set to expire March 31st. So at the end of the month. Um, you know, it, whether if we don't hear otherwise, uh, we we will not be back with uh, Silver and Black Pride. Um, so so what does this all mean? Um, basically, what I'm telling you is I can only speak for myself, but I just wanted to kind of keep you guys in the loop as as far as what's going on with me. Um, you know, I may or may not be with SB Nation after uh, the 31st of March. I had expressed my desire to stay on with with Silver and Black Pride. Um, I applied to a position and and you know interviewed with, for the position, but I still have not received a judgment at this time. Um, the latest I heard, they were still working their way through the whole process again, trying to take care of some of those longtime employees uh, as they move their way towards some of the independent contractors like myself. In the meantime, uh, I have begun. Uh, contributing over at Just Blog Baby with Fansided, which is another great. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders website out there where you can get all kinds of great content. So you can check out some of the work that I've already done over there with them. I actually put out a, a full round one mock draft uh, this morning, so check that out. Um, I will be doing some work with both both sites right now, um, both Silver and Black Pride um, and Just Blog Baby, at least until March 31st. I'm hoping to hear something very, very soon from SB Nation. Um, I do have some other potential um, things that are going in the work, but nothing nothing solid at the moment. Um, but the point I'm making here is um, I'm not going anywhere. I, I do love, I, I, I'm going to continue sharing my thoughts with you guys. I, I you know, 100%, I will be writing somewhere, um, whether, you know, it's long-term with Just Blog Baby um, or if it's somewhere else or if it's, you know, here again with, with uh, Silver and Black Pride. Um, as far as the podcast is concerned, I will continue to do that as well. Again, my contract is up on the 31st um, of March. Um, I'm looking into the idea, uh, seeing if Just Blog Baby and, and Fansided would allow me to host the podcast on, on their network. Um, so we're kind of we kind of got that ball rolling on that possibility, and and if that does not work out, I will just go ahead and, and publish uh, you know it to a, a public uh, server or network like I was doing when I first launched the podcast um, you know almost a year ago. So uh, either way, you will be able to find the podcast somewhere. Um, and if you are a fan of my work and you you do enjoy listening to the podcast, then you know I encourage you. To I will keep you up to date with what's happening and, and where you can find me. All you got to do is follow me on Twitter, um, which is at egroat5. That's E-G-R-O-A-T-5. Give me a follow there, and I will keep you up to date as to uh, you know what my next move is, where you can find the podcast, okay? So, again, I just want to keep you posted, and I, I felt like... Um, 
you know, you guys should uh, know what's going on. Um, which brings me to my final point, and that is, you know, what is the plan here for the podcast, you know, for the remainder of my contract here with uh, SB Nation, assuming that I'm not brought back. The plan is, you know, there's free agency that's getting underway here in two weeks. I plan on recording an episode next weekend at some point uh, where I will preview free agency and some potential moves that I feel like the Raiders could or should make. Um, and then again, I will record an episode again in the following week when we actually have some news and hopefully some some big time free agent signings to discuss. So you can expect a podcast here um, for at least the next two weeks after this one, and, and, and that is the plan here for uh, you know just Pod Baby. Okay, uh, now that that is all out of the way, let's let's get to what you really tuned in for, and that is some Las Vegas Raiders football talk. Blue 42, Blue 42, sit, hey! Now, unless you've been living under a rock for the last month, then maybe you have not heard all the talk that is surrounding who may or who may not be under the center uh, for the Raiders in 2020 and beyond. At this point, your guess is as good as mine. Um, there's just so much speculation out there. If you had to ask me, if you had asked me a couple weeks ago, uh, it did sound like Tom Brady. Uh, was a very strong possibility for the Raiders, or at least the Raiders would have a strong interest uh, should he hit free agency. Uh, we heard they were willing to go up as high as $30 million a year uh, to Brady. Those talks have kind of cooled now lately. It does sound as if the Titans have emerged as the more likely landing spot uh, for Tom Brady with that with that connection he has with, with a former teammate, Mike Vrabel. Um, Mike Garofolo uh, from the NFL Network reported that he is now hearing the Raiders are more likely to go out and sign Marcus Mariota as opposed to Tom Brady. And now, if that move was made, Mariota would more likely serve as a backup to Derek Carr um, if indeed he was he was brought in. So my thoughts on, on this whole thing here... Um, if you follow me on Twitter, then you're you're very aware uh, of where I, I stand with Derek Carr. You know, I I, I like Carr, um, but I don't love Carr. I think he's good, but I don't think he's great. I think he can win games for you, but I don't think he can win big games for you. And that's pretty much you know where where I stand with Carr. Um, as much as I wouldn't mind the Raiders moving on from him, I've always said, though, that I believe it needs to be an upgrade, and I know that many of you shared that same opinion. The question is, does John Gruden and Mike Mayak believe Tom Brady is an upgrade? And it certainly sounds like that, um, but there's more to it. It's it's not as easy as that. I think there's there's certainly other factors involved. Um, does Brady want to come to Vegas, number one? How much money will he command? Um, do the Raiders want to pay potentially $30 million to a 43-year-old quarterback who, uh, let's let's be honest, his his skills were, were starting to uh, diminish a bit last season. I know he didn't have a ton of talent around him, but, you know, there were some chinks in the armor there. And then, of course, you know, what can they get in return for Derek Carr in, in a trade because there's no way he's going to serve as a backup to Brady if he was brought in. So there's many variables in play with this scenario. And, um, you know, while I do believe that Brady does put them in a better situation to win games, I just don't know if taking on, you know, a huge salary like that um, 
at his age, those are some concerns for me. Um, yes, I know it would be for a, a short term, uh, a short time, two years at the most. But is this team ready to win right now? Yeah, they did show signs of improvement last year, but there is still um, many holes that need to be filled on the roster. The defense needs help at all three levels. Um, you've got a very young team here. So part of me says, you know, yes, I'd rather see um, them replace Carr, but I just, part of me says, I don't know if Brady's that guy. Um, I think the smarter play would be to go out and sign a uh, competent backup quarterback, a guy who um, you know has some starting experience in the league with with some success, and I and I think you know a guy like Marcus Mariota fits the bill. Um, you know he's a former number two pick, so that you you know that the potential is there, and and, and possibly maybe just the change of scenery is all he needs. You know, um, let him come in. Push Derek Carr, even compete with Carr if that's what it, it it's you know if that's what it takes. Maybe it lights a, a spark under Derek Carr. Who knows? Um, competition is is never a bad thing. It would be very interesting though to see how the dynamics of all of that would work out. I'm not quite sure. Uh, given all the chatter that Carr has heard, especially this off season, you know I don't know how much he would appreciate having them bring in a guy like Mariota. Uh, who who'd be there, you know, breathing down his neck, um, and then next I look to to draft someone. I think it, you know, maybe uh, a guy like Justin Herbert. He if he should slip, uh, which I don't necessarily think he will, but let's say he does and he's there at twelve. I think you strongly have to consider him. Um, it maybe maybe Gruden falls in love with a guy like Jordan Love and the and the potential you know that Jordan Love has, or or maybe it's a day two pick like a guy like Jalen Hurts or or Fromm from Georgia. You know who knows, but I do think it's time uh, to take a look at a younger guy in the draft and, and look to try to develop him. Now, again, I'm I'm all for moving on from Carr, but I just don't know if there is a better option out there right now and you know this is just it's just a fascinating topic um, and it's one that just it might come to a head here in a couple weeks when free agency begins and the last bit of information here that I want to get to is uh, what I previously mentioned is I did release my first uh, full round one mock draft over at just blog baby so uh, do me a favor and check that out it was uh published this morning. Um, I'm kind of going to give you a little teaser um, of the two Raider picks in round one. At pick 12, I had the Raiders selecting Jerry Judy. Um, I know that a lot of a lot of people out there uh, in Raider Nation are, are really high on C.D. Lamb, and, and I am too, but um, you know, if it comes down to the decision of both of those players being available, I, I kind of lean towards uh, Judy. I just think he's a little bit more polished right now. Um, you know, he has great speed. He ran a 4-4 at the Combine. You know, he just checks all the boxes. He's explosive with the ball in his hand. And I just think he's a little bit more versatile. He can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. Um, and he just, I think he's a little bit better of a fit um, in John Gruden's offense. Again, not taking anything away from C.D. Lamb. He He's also very explosive with the ball in his hand. He You know, he's great with contested catches. And obviously he's a, he's a, um, 
another animal when it comes to those yards after catch, um, you know, those yak yards. So I would be really happy with either one of them, but I think uh, Judy right now um, is a little bit higher on my board. And with the 19th pick, um, I had them going with linebacker uh, Kenneth Murray. And again, this is pre-free agency, so this could change uh, depending on where what they decide to do in free agency. But again, to me, uh, the two biggest needs, wide receiver and, and linebacker, I'm a big Murray fan. I know a lot of people have them taking Patrick Queen. Um, some of the draft analysts out there have Queen rated higher on their big boards, but I've, I've spent a lot of time watching um, Kenneth Murray tape here in the last couple months, and I, I just love what I see from this guy. I, you heard nothing but great things about him from the combine as far as the interview process goes. He, he just... Um, screams all kinds of leadership ability he's an alpha male you heard John Gruden say that and I just think he he is a perfect fit for what Mayock and Gruden are trying to build here when you when you think about the draft class they brought in in 2019 uh, you heard about the high character guys who love football um, great leaders those types of things I think that uh, Kenneth Murray is just just is a perfect fit for what they're what they're trying to do there so those were the two picks that I had for the Raiders uh in in my round one mock draft um you know version uh 1.0 okay that's all I got for you uh for the first segment of this show I'm going to step aside here for a moment take a quick break and when I return uh you will hear my interview with Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus Joining me on the line is the Associate Director of Content at Pro Football Focus, and he's also the co-host of his own show, the Two for One Drafts podcast that can be found on Apple iTunes, and that is none other than Austin Gale. Austin, welcome back to Just Pod Baby. How are you, man? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, Austin was one of the very first guests that I ever had uh, when I first started this podcast a little under a year ago, and I've always been a, a big fan of his work and uh, obviously a big fan of the work over at Pro Football Focus. So, Austin, I do appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time here tonight. Now, I do want to begin the interview with some combine talk. Um, I had the opportunity to listen to your latest uh, podcast where you uh, uh, talked about some of the the three uh, the prospects on offense and defense who you felt uh, you know did themselves some um, favors on uh, uh, at the combine. Uh, if you could just share some of those thoughts with some of the listeners, why don't you give us a rundown? Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Let's let's give me three players who made themselves some money uh, in Indianapolis. Absolutely. I think it has to start with Denzel Mims. The Baylor wide receiver came in and tested very, very well. I think it'd be fair to say he's been one of the biggest risers of this pre-draft process. He left Baylor, which ran a very limited route tree. You didn't get to see him do a ton of different things at Baylor. Goes to the Senior Bowl, really lights it up in Mobile, dominates. Bad cornerback competition, in my opinion. There weren't a ton of great corners at the senior bowl, but played very well there and at the combine, a six 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 three cone, a very strong 40-yard dash for a guy of his size. I think Denzel Mims, a huge riser. I see him as a first-round lock at this point. I don't think the Green Bay Packers really let him slip by 30 overall in the first round. I really do like what Denzel Mims has done this pre-draft process. I also think Ezra Cleveland, I had an opportunity to interview him after his huge combine. I think there's a chance he could go in the back end of the first round without the top of the second round. His combine testing was truly incredible. It's up there with some of the best, most athletic offensive tackles the NFL has really ever seen. I think it really got flew under the radar because Tristan Wirfs like really, really dominated the combine. If I had to highlight a third player, I'd, get, I'd say he got himself some money. 
I think Tristan Works of Iowa could be the first tackle off the board to the Giants at number four overall, just given how successful he was at Iowa. Also, how I heard the interview process was good for him, and he tested very well in Indianapolis. Now, how about that same question for you, but this time on the defense? Yeah, I think Willie Gay Jr. is the first name that comes to mind. I mean, this guy wasn't even on people's radars until he went to the Combine. He's the guy that, you know, was suspended eight games for cheating on a chemistry test. He also pushed his quarterback in the face. I think he had some off-field stuff that definitely pushed him off radars, literally pushed him off the field. He's only had a handful of defensive snaps over the past two years, but he goes to the Combine and runs a very fast 40-yard time, very explosive in the jumping drills. I think he got himself a ton of money. I think on day two, maybe late second round, sometime in the third round, there's going to be a team willing to take a flyer on Willie Gay. And apparently, you know, listening to Daniel Jeremiah's podcast, he did, he did interview well as well. I don't think this is the guy with character concerns, but rather a handful of mistakes in his past. And as for other defensive players that kind of moved the needle for themselves, I think Jeffrey Akuda. I mean, I don't know how much better his stock could have gotten, but he checked every single box in Indianapolis. Weighed in, fantastic. The measurables were great there. Combine was truly great. Interview process, all those things. He will be the first cornerback off the board, and I'm pretty convinced he goes inside the top five, if that's the latest, the top ten. I really do like Jeffrey Akuda's game. And I'd say lastly, Kyle Dover, the Lenore Ryan safety, a small school kid that had a very good senior bowl. So when you go into the combine, you have the biggest wingspan, biggest hands, longest arms of any defensive back there, weighs in over 210 pounds and clocks a decent 40 himself. I mean, this guy is an athletic, explosive freak with great size. This guy can do a lot of damage in the NFL. I think he wants some money as well. Yeah, Duger really seems to be uh, flying up draft boards. He had a really good week at the at the Senior Bowl as well. Um, now for some of the bad news. How about some names of prospects that that teams walked away from the combine with maybe you know some more questions than answers about? Yeah, I think it has to start with Juwan Jennings, the Tennessee wide receiver, a former quarterback, five-star quarterback, I believe, who made the switch to wide receiver at Tennessee. And he was great after the catch, forced a ton of missed tackles, but talking a 4-7, over a 4-7, 40-yard dash in a sub-30-inch vertical, it's just going to be very hard to win with that poor athleticism at the next level. It really does not move, does not move the needle from, a, from an athleticism standpoint, I think he's going to struggle to find a consistent role as a big slot in the NFL. I think A.J. Epinesa also had a bad week. I talked to Tristan Wurst about it. He said he texted Epinesa after, said, you got to, you know, it's all good. We know the type of player you are. Test better at your, at your pro day, but still, he wasn't going to test well. You know A.J. Epinesa is not this athletic freak like a Caleb on Chason or a Julian Aquara, but he even tested below expectations. A.J. Epinesa Tough week for him. I think there's a chance he slips out of the first round after his testing. It's a, hu- a huge concern for uh, A.J. Vanessa. So uh, I kind of want to follow that up. When you have a situation, uh, for example, a guy like uh, A.J. Epinesa, as you mentioned, and I know another guy who was uh, being talked about as a possible borderline first-round pick, uh Cameron Dantzler, uh, both of those guys, you know, had disappointing performances at the Combine, so you know, their stock has taken a hit, as you mentioned. How how much weight do you think teams put into the Combine ver- numbers versus what they see on tape, and in your case, you know, what the analytics say? Yeah, I, I think you do have to take into account, specifically for Edge Defender, PFF has found athleticism really does translate to success in the NFL. It's rare to find 
edge defenders that are subpar athletes that can actually produce at a consistent level in the NFL. That's where the concerns really are with AJ Epinesa. Yes, his tape was good, and you set kind of low expectations from an athleticism standpoint for him going into Indianapolis. But when you fall below even further those expectations, that's when it really becomes a concern. And as for Cameron Dancer, he showed up at the combine, 188 pounds, six foot one. I believe maybe six foot two. That's very thin, very light for a cornerback prospect already. Then when you clock a four six forty yard dash, anything over four six, it feels like a is one of those thresholds for cornerbacks. I think he got away with hanging on guys, very similar to how DeAndre Baker played at Georgia. I, I think it's a concern for him. I still really do like Cameron Dancer's tape, but I think that limited speed, that limited top speed, is going to hurt him in the NFL. And I think it's something you have to take into account going into the, the NFL. Okay, let, let's get into some uh, Raider-specific uh, questions now. And, and I got to ask, obviously, it's been the, it's been the talk of the offseason uh, surrounding the Raiders, um, the possibility of, of moving on from Derek Carr and, and making a run at Tom Brady uh, if, if he should hit free agency. Um, the latest news is that they're possibly more interested in, in Marcus Mariota, possibly in a backup row, uh, role. I'm, excuse me. What do you make of all this? Yeah, it's a lot of it is speculation right now. I do buy into the fact that the Raiders are exploring options. I don't think they're 100% confident in Derek Carr. They're looking at the 2020 NFL draft and this upcoming free agency for other options that might make sense. I don't think they're going to swing for the fences, trade up for Tua Tungavailoa or something along those lines, but I do think they are going to potentially consider Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, one of those guys at 12 to 19 if they do start to fall. And I also feel like in free agency, there's going to be a handful of names like Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Brian Tannehill that could potentially hit the market. And I think the Oakland, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders would, wouldn't be smart to not at least explore those options. I don't think they're super comfortable with Derek Carr going into Vegas next year. So I think they're just looking at every option available. Let's say they do decide to to roll with Carr one more year and, and bring in a guy like Mariota to back him up. How, how do you feel about... Um, a guy like Jalen Hurts, um, you know, I'm not sure where, where you, what round you see him going in, but what is your evaluation of a, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts? I like Jalen Hurts. I think you can win with him in the NFL, very similar to how you win with Tyrod Taylor in the NFL. He has plus athleticism. It would need to be an offense that's similar to what, you know, what Tyrod Taylor did with the Buffalo Bills when he had success, or even somewhat similar to what the Baltimore Ravens do to Lamar, with Lamar Jackson. The problem is, the Las Vegas Raiders, if they do roll in with Derek Carr, maybe Marcus Mariota as the primary backup, they're going to be running a completely different offense than what Jalen Hurts would require to really have success in the NFL. I, I do think with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, both of those quarterbacks have proven that they need very, very good supporting cast to have success in the NFL. And I think the Raiders right now are multiple pieces away, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, from having a good supporting cast for either of those two quarterbacks. All right, good stuff here from uh, Associate Director of Content of, at Pro Football Focus. This is Austin Gale. He's also the host of his own podcast, Two for One Drafts. Uh, let's let's dive into some some free agency now because that's going to be underway here in just just about two weeks. The Raiders' uh, two biggest needs going into free agency right now are um, and the draft, I should say, are, are at the wide receiver and linebacker position primarily, and they could also use some help uh, in the secondary. Free agency is set to begin March 18th. Um, and this will obviously have a, a very big impact on what they decide to do in the draft. Um, but I do have a couple questions regarding some of the free agents that 
have been kind of linked to the Raiders and, and, and possibly the Raiders might have some interest in starting with cornerbacks, uh, Byron Jones and Chris Harris Jr. What is your assessment of those two players? Oh, both of those two guys are top 25 available free agents right now. I see them as huge upgrades over what the, the Las Vegas Raiders currently have at cornerback. Byron Jones, obviously one of the best free agents going to be available. However, he is going to cost a pretty penny. I think the Raiders would have to be willing to invest a lot of money at the position if they were going to go after Byron Jones. There's going to be a bidding war for this cornerback. I don't know if the Las Vegas Raiders want to go all in on Byron Jones. I think it would be smart to do so. Byron Jones is definitely worth money. However, it's something that the Raiders would have to decide on. As for Chris Harris Jr., you're going to get him for a short-term deal. It won't necessarily be as lucrative as what Byron Jones brings to the table, but he's another good option that can play in the slot play outside. He's very versatile in that regard. I think he's a very talented player, an underrated cornerback in this free agent class. Now there's also a couple of pretty good free agent linebackers out there um, that the Raiders could decide to make a run at. The top two options right now that I keep keep hearing about, um, uh, Corey Littleton and, and Joe uh, Schobert. Uh, what do the analytics tell us about those two guys? Yeah, both of those players are at the top of the list because they are easily the two best coverage linebackers available in free agency. Corey Littleton is up there inside, I think, the top 15 of PFF's best available uh, of free agents going into 2020. I think Joe Schober is not too far down the list. Both of those guys have proven that they are athletic enough and capable of making impact plays and coverage and limiting plays after the catch. Joe Schober this past season ranked first in yards after the catch allowed per reception allowed. He limit, He keeps the ball in front of him, doesn't miss tackles, and limits big plays in the passing game. The Las Vegas Raiders have been looking for that for quite some time. I think getting an impact player in coverage at off-ball linebackers is easier said than done. And this draft class, though it does have some talent, some athleticism, maybe you'd rather bring in a veteran to fill that need early on. Now, as I mentioned, uh, the biggest needs are at wide receiver and linebacker. Uh, luckily for the Raiders, this year's wide receiver draft class is is loaded with talent. And with the 12th overall pick in round one, uh, the Raiders may uh, have their choice at the two top prospects considered by many, uh, and that is Jerry Judy of Alabama and, and C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. How do you have these two stacked up? Yeah, right now I see Jerry Judy as the best receiver in this class, but C.D. Lamb is right there behind him. I think it depends what you want to do at the receiver position. I think Jerry Judy, better maybe with the ball in his hands, maybe better after the catch. C.D. Lamb can do it too. I think it's pick your poison, really. Both of these guys are fantastic. I think the Las Vegas Raiders have a very good chance at 12 overall to get either one of those guys. If I had to guess, going off what John Gruden does like in his receivers, I think Jerry Judy would be his guy a little bit faster. Great moves, efficient route runner, can work from the slot and outside. I think Jerry Judy would be an immediate upgrade for this Raiders offense. I think they'd be smart to use that 12th overall pick on a receiver if indeed Judy is available. Austin Gale doing a great job here for us. And Austin, I just got one more question for you. And this one, uh, again, a draft question. This is about the 19th overall pick. If you've uh, read any mock drafts out there, uh, a lot of them have the Raiders going with a linebacker with this pick. And the two names that we keep hearing is Kenneth Murray and and Patrick Queen. Is there one that you prefer over the other? Uh, Do do you think they're both um, worthy of first-round selections? Uh, what, What do you think about those two? 
Yeah, I, I think if I had to choose between the two, I do like Patrick Queen over Kenneth Murray. I, I think he has better potential in the NFL, even though both players have a ton of raw athleticism and potential at the next level. However, I don't see either player worth a top 20 selection in this class. I mean, both of those guys still need polish. I still think they're learning the position. It would take some time, though, you know, linebacker is such a huge need for the Raiders. It would take some time before Patrick Wayne and Kenneth Murray are delivering above expectation in the NFL. I could see these guys being good in year two or year three. I think that 19th overall selection, maybe you double dip at wide receiver. There is so much talent in this class. I think a guy like Jalen Rager of TCU to compliment with Jerry Judy would be fantastic. Maybe Justin Jefferson of LSU or T. Higgins of Clemson. Like, it does not. It does not go wrong, really. You can't go wrong at the receiver position at 19 overall. It's not wide receiver, though. I, I do think there is a ton of defensive talent at cornerback. Maybe you do want to go after a Jalen Johnson of Utah, etc. That that would be exciting to see uh, Justin Jefferson team up with with uh, Jerry Judy. That would be exciting. Um, real quick, quick follow up. I was just thinking about it as you were talking. If the Raiders decide not to go with a linebacker at nineteen, are there any linebackers that you see um, who would be a good fit on day two? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the class, the linebacker class, is deeper more than it is top heavy. I think Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray likely find their ways into the first round. But if they don't, those are both of those guys are great day two options. I think I feel way more comfortable about Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray on day two than I do on day one. And then I got to get my guy, Willie J. Jr. Up oh, right. Hey, right. I do think on day two, I, on day two, I, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk that he hasn't played a ton. It's worth the risk that he does have some off-field question marks because this guy is just as special of an athlete as Patrick Payne, as Kenneth Murray. I think he had a better combine than Isaiah Simmons if you really stacked him up pound for pound. I, I really do think he's a special player. I think he his best football is ahead of him, still a very young player, still very much learning the position, learning to be a pro. And I think Willie Gay Jr. on day two, I feel really good about. All right, there you go, Raider Nation. Keep keep the uh, your eye on Willie Gay Jr. That's the guy the Austin... Uh, things could have some uh, good good potential there. Uh, well, that's all I have for you, Austin. Um, you were great, as usual. I, I encourage everyone to go out there, subscribe to uh, Austin's podcast. That's Two for One Drafts. And obviously check out all the great content over at Pro Football Focus if you don't already do so. Thanks again, Austin, and keep up the good work, my friend. Of course. Thank you, Evan. Okay, we're back here on Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote. I hope you enjoyed that spot with Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus. Uh, real quick, before we wrap up this episode, just a couple of takeaways from the conversation. I found it very interesting to uh, hear him talk about the idea of doubling up at wide receiver. I mean, could you imagine a combo of, say, a Jerry Judy and a Justin Jefferson or maybe a C.D. Lamb and a Henry Ruggs? I mean, that that that's scary. Um I suppose it's a possibility should the Raiders take care of the defense through free agency. Maybe it's adding a linebacker like uh, you know Joe Schobert or or Blake Martinez, and they they can maybe also add a a, um, a cornerback. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. You know, John Gruden would be all for that going, um, you know, doubling up on the wide receiver. Uh, the second nugget that he mentioned was uh, Willie Gay Jr. He was one of the players that he mentioned as he thought really helped themselves out at the Combine. Um, I put out a piece last week for JustBlogBaby.com. It was my tribute to Al Davis, the Combine All-Freak Team is what I titled it. And it was uh, highlighting prospects from both offense and defense who who put up 
crazy numbers at the Combine. Anyhow, Willie Gay Jr., he was on the defensive team for me. Um, and just real quick, I want to give you a rundown of some of his numbers from the Combine. So he measured in at 6'1", six, six 243 pounds. Uh, he ran a 4-4-6-40, and that was the second fastest time of all the linebackers, of course, behind uh, the freak show Isaiah Simmons, who was also, he was the other linebacker on the team who ran a 4-3-9, I believe it was. Uh, Gay Jr. went 21 reps on the bench press, uh, 39.5-inch vertical jump, which was second at the combine for his position. He went 136 uh, inches in the broad jump, which was first at his position. He uh, 7.083 cone and a 4.30 20-yard shuttle. So those are some freaky numbers there. Uh, from Willie Gay Jr. Now, I have not had a chance to go and see any of this guy's tape. Um, he was not a guy that was really on my radar um, until I saw the numbers at the Combine. Um, I did, of course, in my piece, mention the character concerns um, with with uh, Gay Jr., but according to what Austin had to say, the reports from the Combine were that he interviewed very well. So uh, maybe you know the narrative is starting to change a little bit with, with him. Uh, I do plan to uh, go back and, and take a look at some of his tape from his this past season uh, at Mississippi State. So certainly a name to keep an eye on. And again, I plan to check out some of his film. Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Just Pod Baby. I want to thank Austin Gale one more time for uh, joining us. You can expect to hear from me next week. I will have a breakdown of free agency for you. I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, you can give me a follow on Twitter at egrope 5 Again, I'll keep you updated on, on uh, what my next move is, where you can find the podcast. Uh, check out my work at both silverandblackpride.com as well as justblogbaby.com. Hope that everyone has a great week out there. And of course, just win, baby.